How often do you find yourself looking at your watch and thinking, ah, oh, what time is it really? Oh no, my watch is broken. What am I going to do? Well, you're in luck because timefixes.co.uk has all of your horological needs sorted, whether it's changing batteries, watch repairs, I'm out of my depth here, some things with watches, you know, whatever, they can help you. So check them out at timefixes.co.uk as they proudly, or at least hopefully proudly, sponsor WrestleCube. Uh, yeah, so timefixes.co.uk, check them out. Uh, on with the pod. That's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. You will rest in peace. Basketballs don't hold grudges. <laughs> he got a bicycle. Hello and welcome back to the WrestleCube. WrestleCube. Oh, I think that's your best one yet. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, my name is Tom Mimner. And I'm Daniel Akinbole. And uh, we're back after a bit of a hiatus um, to talk about some wrestling. Uh, how are you, Daniel? I'm not too bad, man. I'm not too bad. It's uh, It's been a long time, long time coming. Not much has Well, loads has happened, but nothing that uh, anybody listening to this will want to listen to. As, as a little peek behind the curtain, we have actually seen each other quite a few times in, yeah, in the interim yes. time. It's not like, it's not like <laughs> we haven't seen each other. We just haven't spoken to you, the audience of however few people you are, directly. <laughs> We've, um... Hi, wife. Yes, yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> hello to the four people who might listen to this, or at least we'll, we'll skim it. Um, we're doing it anyway, so, you know. Damn right. Yeah. Because um, one day, we're going to be huge, man. Yeah, yeah, not this day, but one day. But one day. <laughs> um, we, I suppose there's a bit of sort of admin. Uh, we are still in the middle of the King of Cube tournament, um, and we will get back to that at some point. But we thought that as a little return treat um and to ease ourselves back into to doing the podcast we could talk about the uh, a show that uh, went out live 25 years ago which makes me feel incredibly old um mm. the wwf in your house canadian stampede yes yes indeed the stampede yeah <laughs> so um to sort of set the scene of if, if, if for some reason you've never seen this show um it was uh in the middle of the of 1997 uh, middle, the very the height of the uh, the Monday Night Wars, uh, Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation were the top heels on Raw. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, and his merry gang of subpar baby faces uh, were essentially <laughs> the opposing forces, and there were loads of other gangs. Oh, and the Undertaker was ni- was nipping about um, being called a murderer. Oh yeah, the, yeah. That that made me laugh. <laughs> I, I think that's that's that. that's probably a fairly good summary of where we're at going into this show. I would say. Yeah, sounds sounds pretty accurate. From, I think that's uh, that's pretty pretty good. Um, so let's let's just dive in because there's a lot to talk about here. Um, so Canadian Stampede uh, opened uh, with the uh, WWF sting about what the world is watching. No. It wasn't what it's over a thousand countries and blah 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 blah. Uh, you know the one, not not the attitude one, but not the really good one, not the monolith, the the, the sort of middling one that they did for a bit there in 1967. Mm. Um, and the show opens with a great video package using the uh, the uh, 1997 trailer guy, which uh, you know um, he was there every, all of the time with very dramatic music and lots of uh, black and white shots of something. Lots of black and white, yeah. <laughs> oh, they really went for it. They, they were, it's a really good, yeah. um, and they were very good at these, but they're very, um, they hadn't quite found their feet with the, you know, this isn't the 1998 classy Freddie Blassie narrated kind of, you know, top of the David Zahadi kind of uh, joints. This was still, um, yeah, they were still finding their feet with this. It was very overly dramatic, um, but luckily no Todd Pettengill. So, you know, yeah, every cloud has every a silver cloud. lining. Every cloud. I was thinking, you know what, these are good, but 
you know, they, they definitely hadn't hit the, we are the best, we might be the best media organization out of all media organizations to do this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, and they would yeah. in, in the next, like, 18 months to, 18 months to two years after this, they would become just ridiculous, uh, like, the quality of these. But they hadn't quite, this was still a bit rough around the edges. Um, but, yeah, I I, uh, I I would say, yeah, a, a very, very enjoyable um um, and very informative. Uh, if you'd not seen it for context of the show, um, a starting point. And then obviously the show started then with some pyro and the classic in your house set. Have you got any uh, yes. strong memories of the in your house set? Oh man, do you know what? I think yes, I do. It, it, it was one of those things that when I was a kid, and uh, uh, I think it was on Sky Sports. I don't remember which channel you would see the in your house like uh, set you knew that something special was happening because i wasn't i didn't particularly know what the difference was between the weekly show or whatever and i think mostly i would only really catch the pay-per-views but then you see that house set and it was so different and as a kid you know like oh my god there's a house in a building <laughs> like it was just yeah amazing brought, brought back loads of great memories it was yeah i mean it's a very it's a very iconic set i would say um to the point where wwe have repurposed it for nxt in recent years as um have bringing we? back the yeah yeah i mean and they're using the same set which or something uh a sort of a, a similar set anyway which um yeah is, is very cool um i also i noted uh that uh there were a lot of cowboy hats with the yes. uh, commentary team Yes, there is. You know, I didn't realize, and I was watching something. Uh, I was watching um, a video on YouTube for this uh, cook called Matty Madison, who's from Canada. And I didn't realize that uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada is cowboy country. I didn't realize yes. how, yeah, I had no clue until recently. So, yeah, I was like, oh, snap. Uh, so all of these references as a kid would have been completely and utterly lost on me. I'd be like, why are they wearing, what does, cow- what does Canada have to do with cowboys? But apparently, yeah. Well, a fun fact about that. When Bret Hart debuted in the WWE, oh, I want to say early to mid-80s, before he was uh, part of the Hart Foundation with uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, he, was, he debuted initially as Cowboy Bret Hart with a Stetson, ah! uh, the, you know, the full cowboy regalia. <laughs> in my head, all I can see is the stripper version of Bart Simpson. <laughs> oh, good old Bang Bang Bart. <laughs> that's what, that's the image I'm getting in my head, just with the <laughs> Bret Hart shades. God, that's that's terrifying. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so the show opened uh, with uh, one of only four matches on the show. It was a very uh, yes. brisk, uh, quick-moving show, especially when you consider that I would say cute. almost half the show is taken up by the main event. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, heat matches, <laughs> and then a and then a really good main but event. I I enjoyed all of it. Like every single match, I, I found something to enjoy. Um, we opened the show with with Triple H versus Mankind, and both of them kind of again before either of them really found had completely found themselves. Um, yeah, Mankind kind of working as a babyface for the first time, which was um, a little jarring, but uh, it, yeah, so it, it worked quite well. Um, and Triple H as the aristocrat, which I, I still think was just a terrible gimmick. That made me laugh because I was like, there's no real explanation why a quote-unquote blue blood guy is fighting in a wrestling ring in front of a bunch of drunken cowboys. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know if that's what you learn at Eton or Harvard or I don't know whatever. The... I mean, they never really got to this. It was the era of the double job, though. So I mean, you had the you know the wrestling bin man, Duke the dumpster, Drosy, uh, the wrestling bull, uh, Manta, uh, uh, the wrestling pirate, Jean Pierre Lafitte. Uh, you know, a lot of people had secondary uh... jobs. So I guess <laughs> the blue blood was the hog farmer, Henry Henry Godwin. You know, it's true. So I, I guess, you know, with that being the case, I guess you... It was you the depression, have... I guess, and you needed second income if you were going to make sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, uh, exactly. yeah, especially the way WW, WWF was financially at this point. Exactly. The wrestling shaman, the wrestling... <laughs> yeah. Over the years, there's always been double gimmicks. I think it's, you know, it's, it's fair. Um, so this match got underway after a terrible voiceover package uh, done by Michael Hayes who should be kept as far away as possible from doing VOs as possible um, and um, Mankind obviously uh, very over with the crowd uh, Triple H less so um, Foley kind of took the early advantage with Triple H uh, trying to get a footing um, I thought the big elbow from Foley to the floor 
uh, was like I'd forgotten how devastating that looks and how much that must mm. hurt to deliver. Yeah, yeah, this guy really, uh, really was doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing to his money, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Even if he'll, uh, he won't be able to walk when he's eighty, but yeah, it's, it's his problem. I am. Um... Just because we're doing this in real time, just one second. I just need to open my door for a minute because I think I might be being joined by a visitor, possibly. Hold on. One nice. Second. Welcome. I want to. I want to know their thoughts on the on the book on the on the Canadian uh, stampede. I could say I'm going to edit this out, but I might not. <laughs> um, largely what's happened there is uh, for, again, another peek behind the curtain for the, for the audience. Uh, my four-year-old daughter has just asked uh, for the for an Ubercorn toy from her shelf. And uh, hey. needed, needed me to go get it for her. So When you need, uh, when you need the toys. You know what I'm saying? They should be calls. going to sleep, but, uh, you know, that's... Uh, hey. It's fine. <laughs> she's she's just staying up uh, to, for for your support. She just wants to support you. Maybe, maybe. You or she's uh, or she's just being yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I love her dearly. She's wonderful. Uh, yes. Anyway, so um, we were talking about mankind and uh, Mick Foley, uh, uh, mm-hmm, Mick Foley mm-hmm. that kind of Triple H. Um, um, yeah, I mean, so they a lot of this match was brawling kind of around the ring. I thought. Um, there were a few weird spots that um, obviously had not gone entirely as planned. Um, China power slamming Mick Foley into the steps, his legs hitting the... his legs hit. Oh, God, was that was that not supposed to happen? Because then they start they went with it. I mean, I guess they the moved match. on with it, but I, I don't yeah. know whether the it was intended or not. It certainly felt like it was. Uh, um, it, maybe they they improvised, or it just looked really nasty. And maybe it was it was it was deliberate, but it certainly felt like something. Where, if I'm honest, I feel like you can tell now why Mick Foley has a limp. <laughs> it's things like I mean, this. I don't even know that it was yeah. falling off the hell in the cell. I think it's things like this, doing this all the time. I think his just life, his his, his life or his lack of uh, of caring whether his life continues. God bless him. Uh, he's uh, yeah. Is why. I'm still slightly concerned he's going to be in a wheelchair by the time he's you know. Oh yeah. Sure. So I'm sort of surprised he isn't ready, to be honest. But you know, yeah. that's that was the path he chose. Yeah. Um, the wheelchair in his mind. And obviously, yeah, I mean, that obviously led to Triple H focusing on the leg. There was, um, you know, there was a pedigree reversal into a low blow. Uh, there's, you know, kind of various different bits and bobs there. And these two have had pretty good chemistry, I thought. Um, mm. I did make a note that I thought that uh, mankind, uh, and I've noticed noticed this before, but it's always important to point out, has one of my favourite pile drivers. Oh yeah, very good. Yeah, I like I like satisfying. I like the delivery of that. I think it's it's always it always looks really vicious, which um, but also probably quite safe. Yeah, which I think is because there's so much cushion. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just think it always looks it always looks really well, but you it really really good, but you suspect that it's probably pretty safe, which is is good. Um, they did obviously the cactus clothesline spot and brawling on the floor, um, and carried on. Uh, brawling for quite a while and this essentially ended up with them going into the crowd um, uh, and we would see them again a bit later on um, yeah what were your kind of thoughts on the opener well I thought what the thoughts that went through in my head were I thought the match was kind of boring but I don't think that was the point this was just the setup for I guess what they were going to do for the rest of the show yeah um yeah, so it wasn't really about this match, and and the crowd were happy with it. Uh, and I, I thought it was interesting because, as you said, they weren't quite who they were going to be. But this is definitely the beginning of um, where they would end up. Like I was thinking about that Cactus Jack um, Triple H match, and was it well, was it Royal Rumble two thousand? Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, with all the thumbtacks and stuff, yeah. and it was kind of yeah the street fight. And it, it that this is immediately what I thought, and it was like this is the genesis of that fight of that match like this is them working out what they would eventually do you know x, you know x amount of years later so it was cool seeing like okay this is kind of the beginning of seeing triple h turn into a bit more of a hardcore character 
into you know someone who will go out there and you know bleed all over the place in it and and yeah that so that was really interesting and i also thought it, china you know one china looked fantastic and it's it's kind of um weird to look back in retrospect like the horrible way that i guess us as 12 year old boys etc etc you know went about china as a character and i think you know, she was kind of awesome um so you know to be such a um strong female mascot or whatever back in the day and really imposing presence she looked this is the most jacked i think she looked uh the whole time yeah. i actually seen her she looked fantastic as as a character and i think you know she was you think about it she was really a pioneer and it's kind of sad that she i guess she didn't get to reap the benefits of the stuff that she helped pave the way for in fact so oh, yeah definitely. i just think it was a real shame how 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 that whole thing ended up. I don't know if she's been in the Hall of Fame yet or something. I think she is. 100% I... should put her in there if, if he is. And I, I don't, I, I haven't really followed that too much, but she's, yeah. So that's one of the things I thought of a while. But the match was boring, but I think it was by the end of the show, you kind of see where it's going and it's, it, it makes up for it. I, I quite, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, it was a decent, for this era, it, you know, and you have to couch it in the terms of, of when, yeah. when this is from, you know, I thought it was a pretty good, the two of them had quite good chemistry. It was a sort of nothing brawl for the most part, but I, yeah. you know, I quite enjoyed the kind of, um, as, as an opener, the crowd were into it and, you know, everyone seemed to, you know, both guys kind of went for it, which, uh, you know, is, is really all you can ask. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, yeah there are four matches on this show. And what I like is they're all very distinctly different. Yeah, you, yeah. You can't say that any of them are very similar. This is very different from, you know, this was kind of a mad brawl. We'll get on to the kind of light heavyweight stuff, which is very different. The title match was was uh, more of a kind of heavyweight slugfest, whereas the main event was just, uh, well, let's go we'll get on to that because it's one of the best matches yeah. I've ever seen. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Well, I um, would say if you paid money to see this show, from beginning to end, I think you'd have had a fantastic time. Yeah, yeah, like agreed. being there live. This seemed like it was a great live show. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it, it, it's uh, as openers go. I mean, you can see that they were building for something, and obviously, the, the following month, and we'll get on to the rest of the, their interactions during the show. But um, Foley and Triple H would open SummerSlam the following month with a cage match, and obviously, I guess the traditional logic would be that if they can't be contained by the ring or the ringside area, the cage is there to, to so that you actually get a definitive result. So, you know, I can see the logic of the way that was booked on this show and it didn't, you know, the crowd didn't shit on it for, for it being a count out, which, you know, I mean, nowadays they no. would, but on a pay-per-view, good Lord. No, no, because it, it was more, it was like, this was something else. It, 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 and it kept going. Oh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> so mean, we'll get like, on to okay, that, cool. but yeah. This match is not over. I mean, it's, yeah, they really went for it outside of the ring. But yeah, as you said, we'll get on to it. I, um, so after that, um, we got a, uh, a sort of VT of um, uh, the uh, Stampede Week uh, festivities with, um, with Brett uh, and basically just the hearts being gods in Calgary, especially Brett. Yeah. Uh, a weird tug of war that they never really explained who they were having a tug of war with. I wasn't sure what that was about. <laughs> the um, demons in their minds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, after that, we got um, Brett Hart and the Hart Foundation having an interview backstage, which was interrupted then by Stone Cold Steve Austin trying to interrupt, um, trying to have some kind of weird attack five on one which seemed like a terrible idea um but you know i suppose gets him over as this is you know kind of badass character trying to go into the lion's den as it were but um um he ain't afraid of nothing it was a great way to frame though bret hart in a you know in a scenario where on tv around this time they they would quite happily have beat him down five on one in that scenario, but in Canada they don't want to do that because they oh, are being no. portrayed as the baby faces. So uh, this sort of role reversal of them being like, no no no, we're not going to do that because what would it be? It'd be nothing. We want five on five. We want a fair fight. And I'm like, okay, I see the framing of that is is very clever considering you know what the main event would be like and the kind of uh, what the crowd were like uh, you know at at the uh, Saddle Dome. So I thought that was very it's well like, done. This show was for the canadian audience the canadian tv audience the canadian like it's like yo forget about what, whatever is happening over the border like this show was it was in a completely different universe it was like we're gonna cater this to the universe that we're in uh, and that was really interesting there's a lot of interesting dynamics at play especially in that main event with that kind of you guys are actually the baby faces here even though outside of here you're not uh so yeah it was it was, it was weird how they how they played around with that and, and how people react to stuff that they wouldn't usually react to. But yeah. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just a it's it's a really interesting dynamic and something they've never really managed to do before or since. I would say it's just a it's a very very odd uh, odd setup. It was very specific to this time period. Um, moving on after that, um, that we had um, an unusual thing really, which was what was essentially a cruiserweight match on. I mean, yeah. uh, on uh, you know, and um, so the great Sasuke versus Takamichinoku. Um, I suppose for a bit of context, um, both had wrestled in the US in ECW, but not um, prolifically. um, And I I think it was just a few shots uh, when they were working from uh, both were working for Mission OQ Pro. Uh, The great Sasuke, even at Sasuke, even at this point, was uh, one of the biggest names in junior heavyweight wrestling in Japan. Takamoto Shinoku, a rising star at this point. I think the Jim Ross he was only twenty-two, which is Mm. crazy. He looks Um, like a baby. and yeah, this was fantastic. Um, before yeah, it started, it though, we got more of uh, Mankind and Triple H brawling as they yeah. brought off into the back. Yeah, that was cool. That was fun. Um, was that the? Is that was that the sequence when they were um, on top of that pallet of wood outside? No, or no, that it? that comes a bit okay. later. Okay. Um, yeah, that was cool. I enjoyed it. It, it was just was nice because like, it felt oh, quite well. organic that it's they just suddenly reappeared as opposed to it being quite contrived, which often these things in WWF or WWE now as it is tend to be. Uh, it just felt very much like, oh, they're still fighting. Okay, as this match is supposed to be starting. It was a, it was a cool moment. Um, it was still novel back then as well, I guess, the way they did it. It was still like, this isn't how things always are. This yeah, is, this yeah is very special. much so. Very much so. Yeah. Um, so... Sorry, I can just hear lots of shouting from the room next door. I'm just checking. The, the, <laughs> I was like, wait, does yeah, actually in in uh, in peril. I think she's just shouting at her the thing she's listening to. It's fine. Um, right. Anyway, um, I thought Takamichinoku in the Great CK was fan fucking tastic. Um, Agreed. Um, I also thought weirdly, which is a, a strange thing when you consider that maybe he's a bit maligned for the opposite of that now um, on AEW. I thought Jim Ross was excellent on this. He was very informative. Yeah. He seemed to have done his research. He knew who all the wrestlers were. He knew what their moves were. He knew what to expect. Um, and That was you know, the funny thing, man. I, I was thinking the exact same thing because I was like, he he is the... Uh, who, who's the guy on AEW that knows all of the Japanese? Excalibur. He was Excalibur. I was like, yo, this he is the guy that knows the stuff like he he serves that purpose so it's so strange to see him be the opposite in this day and age <laughs> so weird God. i mean i liked that this had a very um it felt like a very traditional japanese match as much as it started slowly with a bit of technical wrestling mm. and then then we moved on to the kind of um, the big spots and in this case it was the more kind of lucha inspired junior heavyweight spots so you know obviously we had after a few spin kicks and submissions and the rest of it um you know, um, there was that. The great Sasuke did one of the. It, to, to this day, it still seems like the most mental thing I've ever seen uh, somebody try attempt, which is to do a flying kick uh, from the oh, top yeah, rope. Yeah. That was An insane. Actual Mortal Kombat style. Yeah, <laughs> flying kick. No way you're landing that in a way it made that wakes the uh, lo- logically the, the like the amount of damage you're going to take versus what you're going to be able to inflict with that is is ridiculous, and I, I suspect there's a reason why you don't often see people try that. Yeah, yeah, because they're real people on video games. No, it was just insane. I, and I've never seen anybody do that before or since, which is... Yeah. I, I, it's funny because I didn't write down a note, but I remember thinking, oh, that, damn, that looked like a, a video game move. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. bonkers. Um, yeah, so Suke's kicks all look quite brutal. Um, yes. Um, obviously, yeah, you, uh, you, you know, you've got these moves to the outside as well, which um, Taka did a big, a big plancher as well. And I think, mm. you know... You didn't. It's worth putting in context that obviously these things are things we see a lot now, or we in WCW you would see quite a lot in cruiserweight matches. Yeah. But for WWF at this time, this was very, very unusual. It is not the sort of thing you would have seen at all, um, no. outside of maybe the odd, you know, Owen Hart one, two, three kid match, or you know, a few wrestlers who could do it but didn't do it quite to this level. This was like, and they once they got going, both the great Sasuke and Taka were going at 100 miles an hour, and it was. It was very, very exciting. Um, yeah, the crowd really got into this. One. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, this is. I think this is definitely the first time in, that I can think of that you would have seen an Asai moonsault to the outside in uh, in WWF. Um, 
I mean, just it was just really fast. Taka as well, like he's so quick, so quick yeah. in the stage. Like it, like it's unlike anything else, anybody else they've ever had. Um, I also the the audible gasp from the crowd when he um, when he dropped Sasuke with the uh, Michinoku driver. Michinoku driver, yeah, because it's a head drop. Like, like oh, obviously, yeah. again, it's not something outside of Tombstone that you saw a lot at this point. And the audible gasp from the entire audience was just a thing of beauty. Absolutely, loved he's that. one of the dis- most disgusting Michinoku drivers I've ever seen as well. He gave him that. He gave him the biz. I was like, oh, like my yeah. balls went in, in in my in my chest. And it was like, <laughs> oh man, it was such a good Michinoku driver, man. I just yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, I um, after that though, it you know the near fall for that it was pretty much all Sasuke with the here yeah, a Cobrada, uh, the Thunder Firebomb, and I, what I think was a Tiger Suplex. I'm fairly sure uh, for the win. Um, but it, it, do you know what's weird? I think watching this, like it's not like it's even that spectacular for the most part compared to what you see now. What I would say though is if you stuck this on uh, an episode of Raw now, or you know, or five years ago or whatever, I don't think it would be massively out of place. No, 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 I don't think so either. I think um, if you put this on NXT, it would probably just slip straight in with any one of those matches, right? Yeah, like yeah definitely. I, I thought it was interesting because they came out and um, the crowd didn't give a flying fuck. They were like, who the hell are these dudes? But they really did, like, you know, through traditional Japanese-style wrestling, hook the crowd in and tell a story and get them really involved. And by the end of it, everybody was on the, you know, everybody was really feeling it, which I thought was fantastic. And do you know what's really funny? It's like, I was thinking about how when we were kids, Takamishinoku was always a punchline for us because he was just kind of a mid-card Michael. He was just, yeah. he, you know, there was he was never involved in any decent storyline. So I never really paid attention to him as a wrestler. But then looking back on this, I'm like, man, he was completely wasted in WWF. Oh yeah. Now, do you sure. not know? Yeah. I don't know how how he was perceived beforehand by, you know, fans who were super into it if they were like, oh my God, Taka's coming to WWF or blah blah blah. But it just seems like he really like watching this match, I was like, oh man, he should have gone to WCW. <laughs> I mean <laughs> oh, he dude. did alright for himself post uh post WWE anyway. I mean he's he was you know even as of oh what maybe as of three years ago he was working hmm. in new japan okay uh, as part enough, of suzuki Goon. Really uh, he was zack sabre jr's hype man for a bit which was incredible <laughs> just him swearing a lot nice <laughs> sounds uh, like me taka's hilarious <laughs> um but he also i think he, he's got his own promotion in japan now i think he's okay. got a training school like he's pretty well respected Okay, cool. It's like, just that WWF period is kind of... I just remember it was just kind of racist and rubbish. Well, the first, like... <laughs> thing is, the first, like... So he, he came in here, and then it was basically the first, like, six months or so, they did the light heavyweight tournament uh, for the new light heavyweight title in... Uh, it finished up in December at In Your House, D-Generation uh, X. And he, you know, was kind of treated quite... Oh, no, did it finish at DX? Or did he defend it there? I can't remember. Um, yeah. Um, but it was certainly, yeah, it was around that sort of time. And he was presented and he had a... They didn't really have a lot of people for him to face. And this is the problem. Is a lack of challengers meant that they weren't who were, you know, up to the sort of standard that he was at. Mm. Meant that they kind of... I think they lost interest in him a little bit. Yeah, I never thought about that. I guess, yeah, the, uh, you're just thinking about that WCW roster at the time and all of those guys and the stuff that they could do. I never actually thought, I mean, you don't think about that stuff when you're like 15 or whatever, or 12 or however old we were that. Everyone else that he was wrestling against can't do the stuff that he can no, do. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they can't and, go. So yeah, it was him and Brian himself. Christopher quite a lot of the time, which is, you know, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not yeah. ideal. And then, you know, I mean, they brought in like Pantera from uh, from... Mexico. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you meant they brought an actual band. What, the band? <laughs> Phil Anselmo. Phil Anselmo just like doing a, you know, <laughs> doing windmill head, you know, head bell. Just picking up change. Bell. Yeah, picking up change. And, yeah. yeah. Age, like. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a good match. Uh, I think, yeah. Just, to, yeah, I'll, I'll drag us back on topic because uh, I, I, I um, immediately after this, we had what you were talking about before, which was um, Mick Foley and um, uh, oh, Triple yeah. H outside uh, brawling still by a school bus outside the arena, and Triple H trying to do a pedigree on some pallets and getting backdropped on it before they finally got separated. Um, which again was another nice kind of, oh shit, they're back, they're going at it again. 
you know, it, it worked really well, I thought. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I love that little section out there as well. I thought, oh, this is really, really cool. So, yeah, yeah, very happy with that in the end. So I guess that match is good if you can, if you add all of this stuff together. I was fine. Yeah. I kind of wrote that um, Triple H and Mankind are having a better match in someone else's match rather than there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it was all storyline drive really i think even the match they had it was all i think to drive towards because again you had china getting involved quite a lot and i think then the idea of both that and also them kind of brawling around the arena and outside not being able to be um kind of uh separated yeah i mean i think that does kind of push the idea that you are um yeah you know that you need a cage match and you know again traditional logic kind of fits there and this segment again only served to kind of reinforce that um which i thought you know if that's what you're after they made a really good job of that i thought yeah it it definitely uh you know they managed to to make it very obvious that you know that they were going to have difficulty containing them without any kind of other match structure so a cage is is the obvious next um next step really these guys want to kill each other. They're so vicious. Etc. Ah, 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 Etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. You know, Vince McMahon doing his ha ha way through this. And his, <laughs> yes, his big old, big old laugh. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm. Uh, I mean, it's worth bearing in mind that you can you get the impression very quickly that, um, as we were saying before during the the light heavyweight match, that um, you know, you can tell that. Uh, Jerry Lawler and um, Jim Ross are a much superior unit that Vince isn't really bringing much to the table at this stage, I think. No, he's just, he's just, hey, I'm Vince. He's, you know, yeah. he's got like calming presence, I would say. Um, but he doesn't really, he, he's he's the carnival barker, I guess, in a way, right? Yeah, Rather than, very much so. Uh, yeah, a com- uh, commentator. And I think w- with that, you know, I mean, you bear in mind, so this would have been July, so you would have had SummerSlam, In Your House Ground Zero, in your house, bad blood, and Survivor Series, and then that is him done. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's the end of that. <laughs> so this is very much the tail end of his run as the kind of main commentary voice, um, and it's a better product for it, I would say. Yeah, the return to Canada is. Uh, we should probably do something for the anniversary of that because that's the one we really want I mean, to talk about. Yeah, probably because I mean that is in a few months, and that is uh, yeah. probably quite a, quite an important one to. Uh, that's a very yeah yeah. To come for the twenty fifth anniversary of. Um, Moving back to the show, um, so after um, the Foley and Triple H segment, um, we had um, a kind of explainer very briefly about uh, Vader subbing for an injured Ahmed Johnson in the world title match, um, and an interview with Vader and Paul Bearer backstage, where Michael Hayes, completely deadpan, asked the, the, like, Paul Bearer, how could you accuse The Undertaker of murdering his family? Oh, that, that I don't know funny. why I couldn't stop laughing because he said it such a, in such a deadpan way. <laughs> and he's like, how can you look in the mirror knowing that you're a murderer? You've murdered your whole family. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> wait, what? What did I miss? What's, what's worse about this is that further down the line, and bear in mind the Undertaker character is sort of, you know, like, this is, you know, it's gone through many evolutions of the rest of it, and we, which it never gets talked about. But later on, you know, after him and Paul Bear were reconciled, you know, after, you know, uh, sort of towards the back end of 1998 and they slightly pre-Ministry of Darkness and just around the time they tried to embalm uh, called Steve Austin. <laughs> it's weird the things you say out loud. Um, yeah, like around that time, they confirmed The Undertaker did deliberately kill his parents. And yet we oh, never yeah. we never refer back to that ever again. Hey, you know, just don't think about it. Just don't think about we just, it. Just, you know, it's just one of those where you go, oh, okay, well, we just forget these. He murdered his hey, parents. No one needs to know. It's, no one it's needs a, to know. It's an odd thing. Oh, now he's an American badass. All right, cool. Uh, it's like, uh, what's the face giving birth to a hand? There's just some things we just don't talk about. It's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Um, we got some footage of um, Vader... Uh, well, also, during that line of questioning, Vader was gurning a lot, which I always enjoy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very it, it's very jarring. Um, we got some footage from the Royal Rumble. He had taken on his, um, uh, on his um, <laughs> pro- property portfolio. Yes. <laughs> he was like, oh, God. <laughs> we got um, states now. <laughs> they did show some footage from the Royal Rumble of Vader beating The Undertaker, um, but I think it was quite clear this was probably quite last minute thrown together. They obviously, uh, Armour Johnson's injury had obviously, you know, kind of 
there wasn't a lot of story here. Like it was very, you know, it was kind of, kind of tied it into the uh, the ongoing Paul Bearer Undertaker thing that's going on on Raw anyway, um, as a way to kind of get this out, get this sorted because Ahmed Johnson was injured. Um, there wasn't a lot to the backstory, and we're right in the middle of the sort of introduction of Kane storyline, which dragged on for uh, about yeah. uh, six months. I was about to say, uh, I thought you meant, uh, I thought you were going to say like 10, 15 years. I mean, it felt like it at the time. He, I mean, he doesn't, if this is July, he doesn't turn up until, oh, uh, let's see, October? Mm. This is still quite, you know, he's quite a way off. I mean, at this point, we've only just been told that he's alive. Um, <laughs> if I lose, I will set myself on fire. Yeah, that's that's still several months away. That was a. It's it's just awful, and like uh, the uh, the attitude era is one of those things that I think I have a lot of nostalgia for it. A lot of things that they, they you know they replay a lot of the same clips over and over again. Sometimes I think the reason for that is because there was also a lot of stuff that is either very very offensive or very very shit. Yeah. Do you know what? There's a thing happening in video games right now where people are remaking or making new games that that kind of look like PS1 games. Okay. But they obviously look way better because they're made now, but they remind you of why they looked good at the time. So right. that's kind of like I guess you could say some of the stuff that they're doing AEW, it's not the Attitude Era, but it reminds you of what it felt like at the time. Like It's like, this is the feeling you got rather than this is exactly what it was like. So yeah, I think that's kind of how we have to look at it. Remember the feeling of the era. Yeah, not maybe the, not so much the details. The details. <laughs> the horrible, horrible details. Not the, the misogyny or the... Oh, the sexism and racism. Yeah, and, oh, not, not, oh, not all of that. Just, yeah. <laughs> the necrophilia, all of that. The necrophilia. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Why? It's just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Anyway, and it was awesome at the same time. Yeah. So this match with um, uh, Taker and uh, I thought the Undertaker got a very good. Uh, obviously, he had a great entrance and he got very. He was very over with the crowd. Um, and this was just two big fuckers knocking the shit out of each other. There's not really a lot yeah. to say about it. Um, obviously, both of them quite known for their striking. So at various points where both of them were just knocking the shit out of the other one in the corner. Yeah. Strikes all look good. Um, I think you know. There's a story of the Undertaker constantly wanting to go after Paul Bearer and Vader stopping him and, you know, all of that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, towards that. And Vader got a pretty good near fall for with a big splash, which looks like it almost killed the Undertaker. Um, <laughs> they botched a sort of tombstone reversal at one point, which uh, mm. looks terrible. But, I mean, it, it was really very... I think they get away with that because later on, the Undertaker not only does... The best top rope choke slam I've ever seen, because normally it goes a bit awry, but he did this weird thing where he sort of bounced Vader yeah. on the middle rope, which is weird. Um, and then he actually choke slammed him and gave him a tombstone, which is quite impressive for a man of that size. Yeah. Yeah. Vader's a big MFer. Yeah. He's a big old boy. I would um, say, though, my favorite thing about this match had nothing to do with what was happening in the ring. It was just Paul Bearer being a smug dickhead, running around shouting the word murderer. Because <laughs> he did it a lot. <laughs> like it was like it was just a lot of him just shouting the word murderer, which I don't know. Like it's not in itself. It, it's not in isolation. It's not funny, but for some reason, him shouting at the Undertaker. I don't know why. It, it, it's so jarring that it just it, like I can't take it seriously, and it's so funny. It's also the fact that he's cosplaying as a televangelist. Yeah, don't know what that was about. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Yeah. I also thought, I was just looking at Vader's entry, uh, you know, to the ring and everything, and I was just thinking, he looks like he shopped at Prowler. Yeah. (laughs) He's always had a bit of of that about him. The mask is very... Hey, Hey, man, I'm not going to kink shame. No, no, no. That's just... That's just... But but it is noticeable that feels like the... The, the shop that in our youth we would walk past and maybe have a little giggle at uh, when we <laughs> yeah. went to Camden because uh, yeah. <laughs> we were kids and stupid yeah. um, <laughs> it know. looks like the kind of mask that has like a bong attachment <laughs> yeah yeah, maybe a bong attachment or, or something a different type <laughs> of attachment <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, I was trying. I was trying to keep it, keep it, uh, you know. But yeah, yes, I wouldn't even bother. No attachment. That's what. That's what we were saying. Just in case you were wondering, <laughs> Pete's face. Pete's I mean, face. There you, you go. You know. I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what was that line from uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? <laughs> I've seen authors who use, who use subtext. Cowards, all of them. <laughs> exactly. Um, say, say, say what we mean and mean what we say. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I thought this was all right. It was, it was pretty physical. It was pretty decent. Again, it was something different from the previous two matches. So I guess that sort of three wing circus thing. Everything on the show stood out on its own merits. And I thought, yeah, this was a perfectly considering the limitations of Vader at this point and probably Taker as well. I, mm. I was pretty happy with it. I thought it was, it was an entertaining enough, uh, fairly short title match of two big lads knocking the fuck out of each other. And, you know, sometimes that's quite nice. Yeah. Big dudes doing big dude stuff. That was, that was basically this match and crowd loved it. So yeah, I, I, yeah, thought, it was, sure. I thought it was all right. But the crowd you know. went to everything on this show. They, uh, it's got to be said, this is one of the hottest crowds. They, I mean, I know that becomes very evident in the main event anyway, oh, yeah. but they were pretty hot for everything during the night. Like, you know, they reacted yeah. pretty strongly to, you know, with the exception of the entrances of Sasuke and Takamijinoku, who they didn't know who they were. They were just like, who are these dudes? Yeah, yeah, they largely reacted pretty strongly for everything, which I think is, you know, is, is, is God, you'd kill for that now. Like, for those yeah, for crowds. real. Good Lord. Yeah, a crowd that isn't uh, intentionally trying to derail the show is uh, an unbelievable thing in, <laughs> in 2022. So before the main event, we got another VT showing the popularity of the Hart family, which I think was largely the same as the first one, but with Vince McMahon talking over it. Um, <laughs> we got a weird hype video voiced by Todd Pettengill. Uh, talking about the gang warfare, uh, chaos going on on Raw, and then linking out to the whole uh, Stone Cold Heart Foundation feud, um, and where that kind of built to the show. Um, this, again, wasn't a great hype video. The, the, op- the show opening one was very good. The ones during the show, less so. I think, you know, you yeah. can see, again, you f- fast forward 12 months, and, you know, not only would you have a great video package to open the show, you'd also have a great video package before the main event, and they're not quite there with that at this point, I would say. I think that's probably yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of uh, yeah. They'll they'll get there. But you, you you've neglected. Did you mention the fa- the farmer's daughter? Oh, I was just about to get to that. We've got a, first up. We've got an interview with the uh, with the American team, uh, which uh, we learned nothing of note. Uh, and Stone Cold Steve Austin walked off. He just he walked just off. Couldn't be asked, which is great. <laughs> I know, I know. It was supposed to be that. Oh, he's just really ready to go and you know walk into the lion's den and you know go out in front of this crowd who hate him and you know you know beat up the Heart Foundation. But it just it seemed like he was just like fuck these assholes. <laughs> like, like I don't want to be. I don't even like these guys. I don't like anyone. Why am I? Why am I even here? Like who? Are, these are all fucking twats. Like what am I doing? Like these are. Not, <laughs> they true. are. You know it's funny because I don't know which one of the road warriors. Went, what a rush! And then he was like, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the, that's like, the final yeah. straw. I'm actually yeah, done. I, I, I genuinely can't do this anymore. Can we just go to the ring now, please, lads? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, after that, we got um, the Canadian national anthem from someone called Farmer's Daughter, and the note I've written down is, "No, me neither." <laughs> I wonder if they're like super famous or something, right? They must be if they're. Uh... Is is like is being famous in Canada like being like big in Japan? Uh, yes, I think it is basically. I think being fa- yeah, I think being famous in Canada is like uh, being famous in I don't know Manchester, <laughs> uh, but but just Manchester. I mean, it said they were Grammy award winning, so they must have uh, oh, yeah. they must have done something at some point. But uh, the thing is. I think that the Grammy Award winning is always one of those things that I feel like is is a little bit misleading because there are regional Grammys as well as uh, as well as the American ones, but also there are many many categories to uh, to the Grammys. I'm not sure it's it's you know doesn't everyone just get one after a while? I I always just remember that um, episode of The Simpsons where Homer just throws his Grammy over the side. <laughs> Someone goes, "Oh my God, award! Oh, Grammy!" <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think because there were so many categories, I'm not sure that they it, it holds the same weight as other um, other awards. But you know, I digress somewhat. Um, yeah, so Farmer's Daughter did a an a cappella rendition of the Canadian national anthem. It was fine. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I've heard better. It was pretty inoffensive, um, but 
nothing memorable either. Instantly forgettable. Um, the the most interesting thing was their um, their outfits, which were the most late nineties uh, outfits. There was so much oh, pleather. Patent, yeah, patent leather, fake leather, just specularity everywhere. It was oh, it just was, your eyes. It's, it's proper like yeah, like like, like borderline latex. You know, like it's. Yeah. <laughs> It's that weird pleathery material that's it, right? that's not it's not leather it's not latex but it's somewhere in the middle. It's the kind of thing you could see uh, Shania Twain maybe wearing. Oh yeah, I, I I definitely felt like there was a sort of a country, uh, which is funny. They couldn't get Shania they Twain, huh? She too big for she too big for you, huh? Probably. I don't know if she was big in '97. Was she big in '97? Oh yeah, I'm sure she would have been. She done man, I feel like a woman. Yeah, I'm, yeah, probably. Yeah, 96. Yeah, they couldn't get Shania Twain. Had to get no, she was probably far too big for the for the WWF. Good lord, Canadian and everything. Even <laughs> even in Canada, <laughs> she's right, she's probably, Canada. probably they probably yeah. could not have got her because <laughs> you've got to remember at this time, you know, and it, it's important to remember this that the sort of celebrities that WWF were getting were people like Farmer's Daughter, and the sort of celebrities that WCW get were getting at this point were Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, completely. Dennis Rodman and what, what's his face? Uh, Carl Malone. Oh, Carl Malone was the year after. Oh, okay. Was, was it during but... the finals when they were... Yeah, 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 because there was a whole yeah. thing. It's in the last dance. There's a little bit of Nitro oh, yes, in yes. there because uh, he skipped practice to go to Nitro. Hey, hey, he has his priorities, right? I, I, mean, I still think that's hilarious. Like, I, I remember I remember sitting... Well, you know, we've, we've gone off topic and we'll get back onto the main event in a minute, but uh, <laughs> I do love the idea that I'm sitting there, I was sitting watching uh, The Last Dance um, and um, the, the Netflix um, uh, series about the um, the Chicago Bulls uh, kind of final year together before they break them up in, in 1998. And um, I I have to say, I remember sitting there all the way through and going, are they going to mention WCW? Are they going to mention WCW? Are they going to mention WCW? And as soon as, uh, uh, there's the clip of Hulk Hogan walking out, I'm like, yes! <laughs> it was a bit like, oh wow, my uh, two interests are colliding. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, that was a wonderful bit of synergy. I enjoyed that very much. Um, but yeah, um, back onto the main event for this. Um, I, uh, I mean, we could go through. I've written down pretty much everything that happened in it. Um, obviously, we'll, I'll, I'll just hit the, the sort of the, the big points in this. I think because it was it's a good like forty minute match, but. Um, um, obviously, you've got the Hart family at ringside. Uh, Bruce Hart, particularly uh, in his big leather jacket, his massive sun uh, sunglasses, clearly looking jacket. to get on camera as much as possible. Good old <laughs> hey, Bruce. you can blame him. Yeah, he's got a rep for this. To be fair, is um, but um, yeah, you know uh, that's why everyone loves Bruce Hart. Um, as the Canadian team came out, um, I thought. Uh, I mean, because the Americans came out and it was sort of, you know, just the standard reactions. Austin got booed quite a bit. Um, but as the Canadian team came out, it was like like this growing crescendo to uh, crescendo of, um, of of audience reaction. So Pillman got a bigger ovation. The Nighthawk was slightly bigger. Bulldog got even more. Owen, like, massive. And Brett, it was like the fucking Beatles came out. Yeah, yeah, it like was. it's insane. Like, I, I like, I, it, it's, it's Dude. still legitimately one of those things. I watched and went, fucking hell, you would never get that now anywhere no. like, I, I don't know i like these are bigger than like the you know austin glass breaking massive peak of the attitude era pop you think so get. i think so yeah i think it was like, it was guys, on that level i still think the the goldberg the georgia dome uh, I, that's i mean that's a also to be fair that is also you know, I mean, for for yeah, for context, the Georgia Dome is also where they had WrestleMania 27. I mean, it is it is literally a fucking football stadium. It's uh, you know, so I mean, I'm sort of you know, you would hope you'd get a pretty fucking loud noise out of that. They sold it out, I think, as well. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, it was um, a huge pop though. It was yeah, wicked. I am um, I'm currently working my way through uh, every episode of Nitro. Um, ever at the pay-per-views for WCW. It was quite yeah, the undertaking. I wasn't sure. I don't think I realized quite what undertaking it was going to be before I started. Um, because then you have to, they started, then the thunder starts. So I'm still doing, oh, doing thunder God. at the beginning. I think I'm going to abandon that. that at some point. Cause um... don't just skip thunder. Dude. Well, don't it feels do... like, it feels like the first like month or two of thunder is important. And then after that, I think it stops being important. So I'll stop. But is it good then where you're at? Like, is a digression? Is I'm it... I'm up to uh, January 1998. So it's good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it, we've just had Starcade. 
the screwy finish and all the rest of it and like you can feel a bit of a downturn coming i think like i think creatively uh. you can feel i think having thunder as well has meant that they've brought in a lot of extra wrestlers like because i think they needed bodies so you've got like marty Janetti turning up and actually having oh, a starring okay. role on, on it's just a bit like uh, i don't know this feels like too many is bloated roster the nwo thing is still good we're not quite at the point where they split off to the black and white and the wolf pack but you know, it's 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 not quite at the level maybe it was uh you know, a year earlier. Um yeah, I think the the Starcade was ninety seven is the peak and after that is you know, they they ride the wave. I'm you know, we're at January, I'm watching Goldberg kind of starting to become a bigger star week on week and that's oh. been quite interesting oh that was i love that little period yeah i it, never got to watch the pay-per-views back then because it was oh, just so difficult i don't think to get you could them. watch them here really no no so i don't know if they were ever good um but, i've been watching them back uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's and the problem is is as you get, we get later into 97 and now earlier into 98 it certainly seems like there's like four or five matches per card that are kind of announced ahead of time and then there's a lot of filler um, uh, a point where WWF started doing shows where there was no filler. It was literally, you know, then you have one match that was made on Sunday Night Heat, but everything else was pretty much hyped and it was very, it was very lean um, at that point. So yeah, I it, certainly you could see that. I think you could see the downfall coming, yeah. um, which makes it worse because actually, if you can see it retrospectively watching these episodes, I'm sort of a bit like, I don't know why anyone didn't. I mean, they were making a lot of money, I guess, but. It's it's sad that no one sort of thought they maybe needed to arrest the problem. You can just see it getting worse and worse. And you're yeah, like, wow, this is more boring than the last one I watched. Oh, this is. And we're not even at the point. At, at some point, in, I'm, we're about to. I think it's in the next month or so of me watching that they start to go to three-hour shows. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's been a lot of the Nitro Girls, but not uh, very uh, no uh, sightings of DJ Ran yet. <laughs> Oh, I've completely forgot that happened. DJ Rand. Oh. I don't. Uh, my only thought is, is maybe he's been cut out of the network um, version of this. Oh, because the rights. I don't know, but um, or he just he hasn't turned up yet. But DJ Rand feels like the beginning of the end for WCW. <laughs> <laughs> I am so actually interested in jumping in into that period where it got really bad. That's what I want to watch when it I'm, was terrible. I'm waiting for. <laughs> I want to. I want to watch the decline unfold in front of me um but <laughs> i am sort of quite excited to get to 2000 and the, yeah! the real the, the, the real basically it's when there's a period of time where they change the color of the mat and it goes to like a really bright blue and that's when you know it's really fucking bad well that's stupid oh, oh, remember, remember they changed the entrance and it was just horrible yeah nothing they uh, they eventually had have, there's also eventually they have they changed the um the opening music to just some weird like drone music with um and kevin ash kevin ash's eyes start glowing for some reason <laughs> oh it's, oh, it's yeah, weird as fuck stuff. um I'm, I'm looking forward to that um um and maybe we'll talk about we'll pick maybe as i work through this i'll, I'll pick an episode and we'll talk about it because i think that might be quite fun. yeah yeah uh, be honest, <laughs> once i get up to once i get up to the the goldberg uh georgia dome episode maybe we might just cover that anyway because that might be quite fun oh yeah that'd be a good one yeah um but yeah, back to back to Canadian Stampede. Um, so yeah, um, obviously the the hearts are mega over. Um, you get some great brawling from Austin and uh, and Brex. Obviously they've got quite a heated feud going on. Mm. Um, and then you get lots of pairings from the other the, uh, throughout the match. You get lots of pairings with the other kind of um, the other wrestlers. So you, you know Bulldog and Shamrock go off together at one point. You get the Anvil and Shamrock. And they, you know Shamrock was an interesting one at this point because I feel like he's he's still very green, but uh, yeah, yeah. You can it's, tell he's super limited. It's nice to see stylistically something a bit different, though, and I think that mm. works really well because it's, it's it feels a little bit more. I don't know. It feels like a real contrast to, to, to everybody else, which is 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 nice to see because now there's loads of people doing sort of faux MMA gimmicks, but back then it was still quite niche and quite quite a novelty. Yeah, it's funny seeing um, Jim. The Anvil Nightheart like trying to do an MMA kind of stuff, and um, the only so thing Shamrock seems to be able to do is like a couple of judo throws and and uh, maybe a, a few judo moves. But other than that, he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing right now, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna do this. 
it's 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 um so i mean the, the match goes on for a while and you know there's lots of good spots with everybody um and everybody gets a bit of a shine you know you get uh the 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 the, you know, the legion of doom gets to do the doomsday device at one point you get lots of teasers for the sharpshooter for the ankle lock uh, Bulldog gets to do his running power slam at one point. These all get broken up, and it kind of goes on and on. Mm. And, you know, it's just really crisp in and out. Um, everybody really, really puts a shift in, and like it's it's it just in front of a really hot crowd. And it, it I don't know, like it never dragged as well. Despite this match being yeah. in the guts of like half an hour, forty minutes, it never really dragged. Um, and then you kind of get to the kind of main meat of this, which is um, the st- storyline. Wise is that um, Austin takes. Um, uh, Owen to the corner and fucks up his knee with a with the ring post and with a with a chair, um, and so Owen's get gets taken out and obviously at that point now it's five on four, um, and in retaliation a few minutes later Bret Hart um, takes Austin's leg and, uh, and does similar but also which I very much enjoyed stuck on the the coolest move that anyone has ever devised the ring post figure four. Oh yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> it still looks cool as fuck. You're a big fan of big fan of that. Um, it's just it's just, it's such an unusual thing. I'm not even sure that it would necessarily hurt that much, but I just think it looks cool as shit. <laughs> the figure four. I, I think we've we've performed many a figure four on 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 each other, on friends or whatever as kids. Yeah, <laughs> many many sure years ago. It, yes. I'm not sure who it hurts more. As you're like, is this is this hurt me more? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I I don't think it, it's it's necessary. I think that's sort of the point, isn't it? Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, so then obviously Austin gets taken out and we're down to four and four. Austin eventually comes back um, and then we get more Austin and Brett, which is always brilliant. Um, um, Austin coming back made me laugh because he limps like down the ring like his legs about to fall off and then immediately just starts using that same leg <laughs> yeah no. it's not great <laughs> run about the ring like nothing happened um, oh, right. i thought what was really interesting though um is that austin so brett tried to put the sharpshooter on austin got it got broken up and then austin put the sharpshooter on brett which is some very interesting foreshadowing considering what would happen a few months later with uh oh. the next time someone put brett yeah. in the sharpshooter did not think about that. No, no, it's just an odd thing that maybe that's maybe a light bulb went off at that point for somebody. That's how I do it. That's how I get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe, maybe uh, I think it might be Triple H to be fair, rather than because uh, uh, there's still. Oh, that was the uh, that was the rumor, right? Yeah. Well, there's a th- weird thing. Not to digress too much, but there's a weird thing in one of the uh, Raw versus SmackDown video games, or maybe or 2K games, where there's like an attitude era cutscene where there's this fictitious conversation happening backstage with Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Vince McMahon, and like Triple H basically saying, "Oh well, if he's not going to do it the right way, we'll have to make him do it." <laughs> and like it's basically saying that this was the conversation where they came up with the screw job and i'm not i don't i don't suspect it's factually accurate but it's 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 weird they put that in there because it's just now part of like wwe law that that's something that happened so that's how it happened hey, maybe it did and they were like Fuck maybe it. but God, we all we all, we all know now so who gives a shit yeah um, but yeah yeah sorry um and um yeah we got we got the obviously um you know, some lovely bits. Of... We also got the classic uh, Bret Hart turnbuckle bump, chest first, which I think is always a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, it also looks so painful. Um, and yeah, I think it's actually not too bad from what I gather. Um, and yeah, um, then obviously the uh, Owen came back then after that. So we're back to five on five. Um, him and Austin are brawling. And you get a big... <laughs> yeah, Austin trying, trying to fight Stu Hart and then trying to fight yeah, Bruce, funny. which is fucking brilliant. Bruce was just like, yeah, my time to shine. And him, he jumps over. And then I don't know if the as other guy's other brother. As well, I think Keith jumps yeah. over. His, his leather jacket looks like it doesn't fit properly. Nope. And just, <laughs> he just, like, <laughs> they look like so they're cosplaying. Good. They look like they're cosplaying Heart Foundation members. And <laughs> it's so good. But like, I love the idea of Stu, being involved, Stu and Bruce being involved in the finish then. Because obviously, and then Austin's like shouting fucking abuse at them and as a result gets rolled up by Owen for the pin uh, yeah. and the crowd goes absolutely fucking batshit crazy oh and then it all kicks off it yeah. all kicks off and it's great 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, the post-match, yeah, you've, the cops come in and then they're all celebrating and then Austin comes back and gets gets arrested, which is fucking badass as shit. Like, yeah, it's really cool. I was thinking, is that one of the most, like, I well, at the time, was one of the most iconic kind of stone-cold images, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> and they like, replicate that the again in the future with lots of him being arrested. But uh, Yeah, he just gets arrested over and over again. Sort of foreshadowing something that would happen a few <laughs> years later, but... Uh, <laughs> but you know the thing right um about this i, I this, 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 we said that it was weird them being the faces here because they wrestle like heels they don't they don't wrestle any other way they everything they do is so healy like brian pillman spits in shamrock's face like uh they 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 uh what was it put stone cold in the corner i can't remember and they yes. just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. beat him up there's a lot of like jiggery pokery and then the, even the roll up with the pants like it's all heel stuff but i guess because the crowd is um into them you know just they didn't change the way they were going to wrestle this match given the characters that they are generally um, i guess the the tv audience would still see them as heels so i suppose that's kind of the the logic at least um it's just very funny it's a it's a very strange uh yeah but but yeah i got from this so just sorry i I feel like you look at stone cold and you look at bret hart and i look at bret hart in his heel capacity and one one i thought it was awesome seeing stone cold come out and be like he was a straight up heel in this match and it's perfect because he's literally his attitude is literally go fuck yourself he 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 gets on the turnbuckle and just swears at the crowd it's like suck my dick and his character works whether he's a heel or works whether he's not a heel it's just like he's stone cold and how you react to him it doesn't really matter he's still going to keep being the same character and it's still going to work which is great but then i also thought looking at bret hart and bret hart being a heel that stone cold and bret hart are really similar in, in a lot of ways in terms of their attitude in some ways like I, I kind of like um they seem like two sides of the same coin in a way um watching them in this match and and yeah it just reminded me just how amazing a feud it was between these two because yeah there's a lot of they were both kind of badasses that came out with the leather jackets and a kind of like you know the heart foundation are like this kind of canadian cowboy bike again or whatever <laughs> stone cold's like this you know bionic redneck or whatever but they, 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 there is a lot of similarities between their characters in terms of especially like um when bret hart is a heel of like i don't really give a shit what the crowd says and you know i do what i want and you know yeah i i just um i thought it was really interesting anyway it was the thing i noted oh, but great match man i'd, I'd agree it and was like i would say especially those two I and mean, it is a great match from everybody involved they everybody puts a yeah. shift in it is really good everyone does a great job um this is, I would say, Austin and Brett both at the peak of their powers as well. Yeah. Because, obviously, Austin would have the neck injury after this. Yeah, he would become a great brawler, but as a brawler and a wrestler, this is him, the last kind of... In fact, this is the last pay-per-view before, before he breaks his neck. Yeah. So, this is him very much at the peak of his powers. And this is still very much Brett, again, pre-WCW, pre-Screw Job, you know, kind of very it's much the last... Kid. Well, the last hurrahs for that, for that, for that character. Yeah, yeah, it's like at the peak of his powers. Just, um, yeah, really interesting match. Oh, uh, one one thing I noted as well, like that. I, you know me, I hate tag matches generally. Yeah, I hate them. Yes, but this was they played all the hits. Everybody came out. Quick little skirmish, special move, tag. Like yeah. it was great. It was like no, uh, no messing around. Yeah, there was a small little area where it slowed down, where I think there was like a test of strength between uh, one of the Road Warriors and and um, Jimmy Anvil Neidhart, but. The crowd was so into it. I was yeah. like, wow, I've never seen a crowd this much into a test of strength ever before. So, yeah. They just ate it up. Anything they did, they ate it up. They could have they could have gone out there and done, fuck, done a headlock for a fucking 20 minutes. No one would have cared. <laughs> yeah, they would have freaked out. Yeah. This match, this, 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 um, this pay-per-view is this match. That's, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say I enjoyed the whole show. I think it breezed, yeah. it breezed past at an hour and 48 minutes, which is always nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I thought the, the opener all the matches were distinct and interesting in their own ways the opener had its problems but i think as you said earlier they sort of made up for that by having it go on throughout the show yeah um, the light heavyweight match was phenomenal um and again you know f- you know maybe not by today's standards today today it would just be a sort of slot in as a mid-card match but at that point that was you know incredible um yeah. and then yeah i would say you know you've got the this incredible main event and you've also got a pretty decent um you know pretty decent world title match uh with with some 
uh, interesting acting from Paul Bearer. So, you know, <laughs> overall, it's definitely a show. But I, I think you're right, though. I mean, the, when people look back on this, they will always look back on the the main event because it is, it not only does it take up almost half the show, but it is, you know, it is what everybody paid their money to come and see. It was, you know, and it's it's an incredible feat that they managed to, you know, just, just having, you know, organically having that kind of crowd reaction for you know for a group of heels essentially Mm. is something i don't know how you would even replicate again like it's it's such a unique uh thing which i think in itself makes this a real landmark event um and yeah obviously one of the most well-regarded shows of all time because all the matches were at least decent and the main event was something out of this world yeah definitely yeah, well, um, definitely had the old nostalgia juices brewing inside of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a horrible sentence, but it did. No, so... I get what you mean. I get. What you mean. It's, it's hard not to watch this and not feel like a bit nostalgic for your childhood. It's uh, you know, it was uh, it was very enjoyable. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have anything else in my notes. I think so. What that is, that is pretty much all I have to add. Um, and um, yeah, um, we will be back soon with something else mm-hmm. it might be the king of cube it might be another review i haven't really decided yet we'll, we'll talk about it at some stage yeah, um, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll but we'll certainly we'll try and do these a bit more uh a bit more frequently after our little hiatus um, yes indeed and yeah yeah certainly it's been it's been very fun to talk about a, an old show and maybe that's something we'll do a bit more of um obviously you know uh again they've been a little bit dormant for a little while but um you'll be able to, well, I mean, if you're listening to this you've probably seen the links on there but you can catch us uh at facebook.com slash wrestlecube uh we're at wrestlecube on excuse me at wrestlecube on twitter and at wrestlecube on instagram and obviously you can listen to this show and all of our previous shows on itunes on spotify on uh google Podcasts, stitcher uh really anywhere that you get your podcasts from we should be there i think and if if we're not give us a shout and we'll see what we can do exactly exactly you you scum yes or fuck you listen to listen to this uh where we tell you yeah no, yeah no, please, you please don't please don't just you will put this in your ears <laughs> God damn it. um cool all right well yeah i mean if there's nothing else um i've been tom Mimner. i've been daniel the cuboid aiken bolar and uh yeah it's been the wrestle cube uh yeah. see you later